uh, a song. I have sunshine. <laughs> you Welcome enjoy however back, you are. Nick Vimetti. Hello, hello. <laughs> we'll start off with that. You were starting off with that. Welcome to another. My contract holdout is over. Your what? My contract holdout. Your holdout. Yep. People don't even know what that means. No, people that don't watch any sports don't know what that means. <laughs> only you don't know what that means. Brian from Ilon is in the studio too, and that's the only reason why I was singing because I'm so happy to have the cool Ilon crew in the studio. Not Nick. Happy speaking of on, speaking of only reasons why I'm actually in the studio is because Brian Weichel from Ilon really? is here <laughs> along with his buddy. And an expert in the topic today, George Simich, is also here from John Green. How you doing, man? Doing good. Thank you. Traditionally, what we do, but Carla usually forgets, is actually try and get a resume on our host. Now, we've had Brian on the on the air. We'll get a brief one from him in a second. But you've never been on the air with us. No. So welcome for the first time to Thank Market you. Overdrive. Give us a little bit of a background and history on what you do, where you came from, and why in God's name do you do this for a living? <laughs> I do it because I love my job. Um, started out, my father, he was... Uh, in construction and decided to open up his own business and build luxury custom homes. Um, and then through the downturn and everything, kind of got out of the business. And as th- things started to pick back up, um, he's like, you know, real estate's, you know, people are always going to need a place to live, regardless of what the economy, if it's good, bad. And um, so took it into consideration and started doing it and just realized that, you know, people, um, when they go to buy homes, it's the biggest decision that they're going to make in their lifetime and want to be part of that. Now, off air before we got started, you mentioned your. Serbian. Yeah. But now you just said your dad, your, your dad was in construction. And, yep. and, and the reason I'm saying that is because I grew up in like the LaGrange, Brookfield area, yep. and my dad was friends with tons of Serbian builders. Yep. So are you first generation, second generation? First generation on my dad, second on my mom. There you go. Okay. Right. Makes a lot of sense now. Is this how we go back to you or how it goes back to George? No, it's George. I mean, we have something in common. We're both first generation, we're both first generation kids that kind of got taught our way. Maybe one day if you do your job as a parent the way you're supposed to... Your kids will be good at real estate, My too. My kids are amazing at real estate. They're still young. They're still young. They're, They're still growing young. in the business. Uh, but you know what? I want to talk about what Brian was saying before um, we, we started the show about George. And, you know, typically we like to have uh, top producers in the studio, people who have been in the business for a long time. They can come in here and elevate our audience's real estate IQ. But one of the things that was significant about George is the fact that he's two years young in this business. And he's already killing it and creating a brand for himself out in the burbs. So, Brian... Yeah, very big brand too. I mean, he's going into his second year, which into, is okay. the bigger surprise. And in, in his first year, I mean, he closed more than most full-time realtors in the city do. Wow. More, than, more than Carla. More than, more than Carla. Carla. Love it. That's Good job, awesome. George. Good job, Thank George. Thank Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being part of the panel. Today's topic is relocating to the suburbs. Um, it's a topic that obviously we chose for our guests because that's where we specialize. Um, so just to get started. Really quick, seriously, why are people moving to the suburbs? <laughs> why? Why? Why, why would you do this? What's wrong with them? Why would you? And, I don't know. No. <laughs> and, 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 and real, question. Is that even true? I don't know. I'm well, going to question on. that. Hold on real quick. Because this is a nationally televised program and everybody can see this from anywhere. Right. Let's try and like do. Let's try and remember that some cities it's better to actually move to the suburbs. <clears throat> Hands down. We're, fortunately, we're in Chicago and we're getting into Chicago details here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a tough question because the city of Chicago. Well, is I don't want to insult people, but truly, why? <laughs> why would you do something why so crazy? Do why? why? Do we have any callers? Ask them. No. <laughs> right? No. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to families. I mean, you look at millennials, you know, starting to settle down and people just wanting to move out. 
Uh, mainly you're looking at schools. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, for some people that don't want the hustle and bustle of the city and want some time to relax and go through everything, you know, they're going to be moving to the suburbs for those main reasons. Just for a few of them. Um, you know, when you got schools going in there, I mean, in the Chicagoland area, in the entire United States, we have some of the top ranked schools nationally throughout the United States. Right. And that's true. I mean, I know for a fact Naperville, right, it's one, and I know we're, we're a national show and we're going to talk about, you know, Midwest um, suburbs, uh, but Naperville is a really good school. And, and I think that a lot of people, and especially because of the Chicago public schools, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's so many ups and downs, kids not in school all the time and all these arguments with, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really a reason why people move just because of schools. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you know, for people who are in the city, you know, if they, I mean, I'm working with a client right now, perfect example. They live in the city. She's pregnant with her second child, and they're moving, relocating out to the burbs. And I was like, what's bringing you guys out this way? And they're like, it's school. So a majority of my clients that I work with, especially the ones in the city, 99% of the time they move out from the city to the burbs because of the schooling education system. Isn't the schools in Chicago like a, a little bit of a slugfest, which zone you're in and all that stuff? Like, you know, are you in this district, that district? Do you go to this school, that school? And then there's waiting lists. Even if you do move in there, you don't necessarily get your kid in that school because, I mean, isn't it all? We've had this conversation on previous shows, but it's a lot more cutthroat than it is going to the suburbs. Once you move or even provide a legitimate lease in the suburbs, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, in the suburbs, it's not just the elementary school aspect. It's the high school, right? Because right. you guys have, like, um, all the way to high school where it's in the city. We're worried about elementary schools and we're paying taxes to be in the specific boundary uh, within some of the Chicago's top schools. And, of course, they have waiting lists for people to get in if you're not in that neighborhood. But then you go back to, you know, after you're done with the elementary school, you go into the high school and there's another issue. So where do you send your kids? Um, so a lot of families do decide that it's just the be- best bet, you know, to move out to the suburbs where they can guarantee the best schools elementary-wise and then after high school as well. Right. right? Everybody's mm-hmm. just like, we're going to be spending so much money, like $40,000 in college. Why do we start spending the money now? And you're staying in the city, and our city seems to not – I mean, I love the city. I'm a city mom, mm-hmm. and I don't ever plan on moving. But <laughs> I can see why people decide that. And, you know, square footage as well, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at it <clears throat> for the average size that you're going to get in the city for, you know, a one-bedroom, two-bedroom, and you're looking at a 1,000 square feet. You know, if you look at, depending on where you're at in the city, if um, you look right at Right here. Yeah. Right there. Okay, so yeah, you can go right down <laughs> one, the block One there. block of the probably the nicest neighborhood in the city, a one-bedroom is like 450000 Exactly. Is that so, right, Carla? Mm-hmm. Condo. So 450000 and in the Naperville, Plainfield area, if you go out there, 450000 will get you about 3,000 square feet. So you can get a four-bedroom, three-bathroom. <laughs> Touchdown. <so>. Fall <laughs> in. Man cave downstairs the whole nine yards. And, that, and that's, and that's a finished basement, too, man. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can, and you can alienate your wife Excuse and kids me. upstairs. Excuse me. I'm still transacting in the exist. city. You can't Got your little cubbyhole downstairs. That's it. Nobody wants that. We want the lake. We want the park. We want movies at the park. Do you guys have that? Do we have lakes? Do we have parks? And yeah. Parks? <laughs> <laughs> in the suburbs, they have lakes in their backyard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they have a golf course. Right. They have Who golf courses. Do you have to cut the grass? Yeah, yeah you got to cut the grass. Okay. Then well, if just... you're producing like you, you got to cut the grass. Oh, yeah. producing <laughs> like, like George over here, someone cuts the grass for him. Uh, yeah, I still like to do it myself. Speaking of which, can I borrow money since we're talking about finance? No, here? you can't borrow money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. But seriously, it's a serious topic because a lot of people are making that move. Um I read an article earlier in the year it's saying uh, that a lot of baby boomers were moving from the city, um, sorry, from the suburbs to the city because they were, you know, re- retirement and they decided that they were going to live some in Florida and then stay in the city and just have it in town. But you're saying that there's actually 
a different movement, which you would say, I mean, who is the majority of these buyers? Is it millennials mm-hmm. who are changing lifestyles or having kids and now relocating? Or who are we really talking to today? Um, I think you would go wrong. Um both aspects because you have the millennial buyers, you know, they're renting and, you know, with all the downturn and everything that they saw their parents go through, some Mm -hmm. of the buyers, you know, they're kind of a little bit more cautious, you know, before back in the day, it was about, you know, what you can get and, you know, have a little bit more lavish and more square footage where now people are being more conservative and staying within their means and living within their means. Um, So for the millennial buyers, you know, it's, you know, kind of that confusion on, well, I might as well just rent because that's what I know as opposed to they don't know the entire process. Um, and then you have the baby boomers, you know, they're downsizing. They don't need, you know, the two-story Georgian home, 3,000 square feet. Um, you know, there's a lot of age-targeted communities and 55-plus communities where they'll have the ranch homes for, you know, the accessibility reasons. So, I mean, when you look at both of those, you know, I think it just combines the market. And that's the reason why we have such, a, you know, a hot market right now, so to say. Because all those buyers, you have the millennials and the baby boomers, both out in the buying market right now, in the, buy, in the, um, the marketplace. So that's who's controlling the market now? Yeah. So George is specifically working in, for the most part, a region in the suburbs. Brian, you, on the other hand, you finance anybody anywhere, anytime. Right. So what's your experience? Millennial buyers, what are they doing in Europe? Are they staying here? Are they going there? Yeah, so it's kind of a, I'd say almost a 60-40 between millennials staying in the city to moving out. But a lot of them are positioning themselves a little bit better for the ones that bought from, you know, 2010 to 2012. They're really like using the appreciation, you know, as their forefront, as a reason to move. Okay. You know, they're, they're really able to capitalize on the low down payments they did the first time and then get into rolling the equity to get into these bigger down payment programs to be able to afford more. <laughs> and a lot of them now are also using dual income, you know, whereas opposed they bought the first place on one person's income mm. and now had dual stayed for a while just to save money. And then they're bumping up purchase price, you know. And the biggest thing that we're seeing with people that are moving out is the square footage. You know, the the average per size per, matters. Everybody size wants does more matter. space. Well, excuse the, me. What what did you just say? <laughs> You've been if gone size for matters, so long. Size matters coming out of someone that's four foot ten is is really <laughs> ironic. All right. I'm super tall. Jesus. <laughs> super tall. Sit down. Anyway, so yes, more square footage. More square footage, but then on the other caveat is the people that are staying. You know, they're, they're staying in these places that are a little bit smaller but are really nice. You know, a lot of the new buildings that are going up or new developments in the city, they're staying in the same price per square foot, mm-hmm. um, but they're going ahead and upgrading finishes or upgrading, you know, neighborhood um, for more enjoyable life instead of going out to the burbs um, somewhere that may have a very nice downtown area. Uh, they're staying in the city close to work, and that's kind of the trade-off. Right, more space for I mean, there's still life. we still have a lot of people who work in the city and then have to commute to the suburbs. So that's a whole lifestyle, right? Yeah. It's a lifestyle change. Speaking of lifestyle, I'm a city girl, right? So for me to transact in the burbs, it probably I probably shoot myself um, because I have all these you know ideas as to what it's like to transact. I mean, you guys are a techie company. You you do everything paperless. Are you transacting the same way? I mean, there's a lot of agents in the suburbs that are kind of old school. They're still using faxes. <laughs> they do, man. You, like guys get caught, trans- you guys get caught faxing an awful lot out there. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. There was a Colleen gentleman. 2017, that, <laughs> 2017, there was a gentleman I was working with, and he was like, "Can I fax you over my documents?" I'm like, "I have to check my fax number because I don't know it." <laughs> I don't know it, right? We have, and we have one now. You know, at one point during, you know, like the, let's say the late 2000s, everybody had an e-fax in their office. Yep. In the beginning. We had one that everybody went to in a copier. Mm-hmm. Now we're back to 
one again because nobody <laughs> uses it. We're like, uh, yell at the receptionist, what's our fax number again? Yeah. And it's like, don't even put on a business card anymore. No, but listen, true. this is a legitimate concern. <laughs> if I'm a buyer and I'm buying, I'm in the city and you know, we're all like fast going, fast talking. We go to the suburbs and everything right. seems to kind of slow down. <laughs> we don't have to meet any agents for showings. We don't have to. We, I mean, how does, what are the expectations to transact in the suburbs? You know, I mean, I think when you look at it, you know, some some agents, you know, they are some there are some old school agents where you know they do want to do that kind of stuff. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it also depends on who you're working with too. You know, I always tell my clients, you know, time is of the essence, and you know, to me and the other realtors on the other side of the transaction, you know, it could be two different things. You know, I want to make sure my clients get the place mm-hmm. for fair market value for what the homes are trading at, and then there are some realtors that just want to drag and prolong the process, which I understand to an extent. But, you know, you have a ready, willing, and able buyer to go, so why drag the feet and why prolong the process? That's a misconception, though, too. There's some suburbs, and I'm going to speak across the country, that are actually more vibrant than the cities, where people are like, okay, I mean, right now we're, we're clearly talking about a Chicago and possibly like a New York trend, but if you go to L.A., there is no city. I mean, right. there is one right. physically there. Nobody, Nobody I think there. it's finally starting to get a little popular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about suburb living, right. and it's it's uh if you go to our suburbs, like you know, off the top of my head, we'll go west with Oakbrook and north with uh, Skokie and what is it, Glenview, mm-hmm. uh, Glenview. Um, we have some vibrant suburbs where it's literally like the all the fancy restaurants that are in the city are there now. Yep, the the shopping is there now. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's from your everyday shopping to your high end stuff that's right down this street on Michigan Avenue. Mm-hmm. Like, there's Chanel and Louis Vuitton and all this stuff is starting to happen. And I feel like the suburbs are starting to legitimately compete mm-hmm. with all the reasons you do stay in the city. Mm-hmm. I, some suburbs in some parts of the country. I know Dallas is doing the same thing, where downtown Dallas is okay, right? Yeah. But nobody wants to live there. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> you know, so you like, go back to that. Like, We're okay. horrible today. You, you know, can't say that. that no, it's people. a beautiful city. Downtown Dallas, Dallas is beautiful. It's got some condos. It's got nice little hotels and a whole nine yards. But everybody moves to the suburb because there's more things going on there in some some parts of the country. So I just want to outline though, like seriously, I know that you know people are buying and there's the reasons why they're buying. But truly, like, what are the expectations? What's the marketplace? Is the same as in the city where you know we're working till ten o'clock at night writing offers because we want to be the first ones to get in that offer? Are you seeing the same trends there as well? Oh yeah, um, I mean, you know, when you look at everything from the marketplace where we're at, I mean, in the city, the suburbs, I think anywhere in the Chicagoland area, it's a seller's market. So it comes down to supply and demand. You know, there's way more buyers and the home inventory just isn't there. You know, and, you know, some buyers, they get discouraged. Um, They may have been looking for a week. They may have been looking for four months. A client that we're closing next week, you know, we've been looking since January and she finally found the place. That's crazy. Here's a number that you just do your best to think of. How many people that are committed to doing this transition when they first call you flake out what percentage do you think are do they get nervous cold feet about actually leaving the city to change your mind you start taking them you start taking them you take somebody that lives in the gold coast right which is or streeterville or river north which are booming areas here Mm -hmm. and they're like hey george you know i want to move to naperville you know which is a nice suburb Mm -hmm. rated one of the top 100 in the country as a matter of fact but then, you know, you're showing them homes, you're showing them what downtown Naperville looks like, and you're showing them where the shops are, which is not nearly as much as here. Um, <laughs> how many times 
if you can throw a percentage on it, how, do you hear them say, we're just going to stay where we're at. We decided not to move to the suburbs. I mean, honestly, a small percentage. Really? Yeah. Small they percentage. Never. So they it's okay. <laughs> I mean, he's full of myths over there. If it's I'm asking never, a never. question. I don't know the answer. Why no, would somebody want to do that? I would say a small percentage. People because get cold feet. People get cold feet, but my job as a realtor is to find out their why. What's the reason they're moving? Right. Are you moving because you want to move or are you moving because you want the schools? You want to be more family oriented? You know, there's... Everyone has their own why. Like if I were to ask you, why do you want to move? You're going to tell me because I want a new building or because I might want a doorman. Same concept, but you're just applying that from the city to the suburbs. What's your reason why you're moving? And that's one of the first questions I ask my clients is, why are you moving? Right. And that's the most important because that's where you get to hone in is my job as a realtor to listen and find out, all right, this is the reason why they want to move. Now my job is to put that into action and find you a home. Oh, for sure. I mean, I had a family in the West Loop. They sold their two-bedroom condo because they were buying something in Plainfield, actually. Mm. Um, they had an agent out there, and then we did the city transaction. But shout out to Rebecca and Joe. It was last year that they did it. And, you know, everybody's moving because of the same reasons. You get more square footage, and price per square foot, right? It's right. a little bit more affordable. Yep. Obviously, taxes are kind of a wash, I feel. you know, mm, Yeah, yeah. taxes are, are rough in certain suburbs. Right. Taxes yeah. are brutal. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you and just If move. you're talking about Gold Coast, Streetville, Lincoln Park, I mean, yeah, trust me. taxes <laughs> are. Go to Hinsdale. <laughs> Well. There's some places with taxes. Orland Park, which isn't even like, I mean, there's nice parts of Orland Park, but it's, I'd call it middle of the road, generally speaking, nice, right. solid suburb, and those taxes are ridiculous. Like, okay, so wash does the, the taxes. You're paying for assessments, and you have more square footage in yard. Acres, right? No? Yeah. <laughs> acres. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the acres, right? <laughs> you want to have your own pool, not the pool on the roof that you got to share with 800 Whatever other people. Whatever the reason. All right, let's get real estate, though. Let's get... You know, like deep into the dirty. business, deep, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Strategy, right? What is the timeline like? If I have to sell something in the city or if I'm leasing something, what do you advise me? Like, what's the strategy? How do we start this process? Um, I mean, first and most foremost, it's going to be get pre approved. Um, so that way you know where you're going to be going. Um, you know, the uh, first thing, you know, besides finding out what the reason why they're moving is, is, you know, make sure you get pre approved um, from the get go because at the end of the day, you could tell me that you might want. A three hundred thousand dollar home or four hundred thousand dollar home. The last thing I want to do is show you that home that you can't afford because you fall in love with it, and then you have the expectation you're going to compare every other home to that home that you fell in love with. And Brian so. kills the dream. Always. That's not Brian. No. <laughs> Never. Never. Dream Brian, killer. Brian, let me more money. <laughs> I, I make more. I make the dreams more realistic. Oh, is that what you do? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the, you that's save the, the part day. Of it. You know. He drops the hammer on the payment. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's happy till they get to the payment. You're like, ah, that wasn't what I thought it was. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, as far as getting pre-approved, um, and then after that, you know, some people, a lot of buyers have the misconception, um, especially if they're step-up buyers, to do it a little bit backwards to where, you know, they might want to look at homes first and then put their home on the market because they have that fear of, well, I'm not going to have a place to go, so I'm going to find a place to go and then I'm going to sell my home. Is that what you advise? No, I don't advise that. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, get your home on the market sooner than later because, you know, no one knows, you know, because you're going to have a certain type of buyer. Um, every time a home gets listed, you're going to have direct marketing for you. You're going to be looking for a specific kind of buyer for your home. Um, and as far as making an offer on that, a lot of buyers, they may have a home close contingency, meaning... You can't purchase your next home until your next home or your home that you're currently residing in closes. Um, and for that to be done, that's where your equity has to get carried over and any kind of proceeds get put into your next purchase. But in this kind of market where it's a seller's market and we're selling things in like five days, um, mm-hmm. and you're, if you're right, you're competitively – how do you say that? Competitively. competitively. That word. <laughs> if you're priced <laughs> <Jesus>. right <laughs> – 
Um, you get the property sold right away. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a home clo- do you lose leverage because you're writing an offer with a home close? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you got a home sale and a home close contingency. Home sale, your home is waiting for a sale and home close, you're under contract, just waiting to close. I mean, realtors aren't even going to look at your offer if you have a home sale. Home close, they'll consider but you know, I might you know I would advise my seller to take the one that doesn't have any contingency. That's five thousand dollars less than asking because you know that there's no chance of that falling through. Right, that's a huge. I mean, I I kind of went a little bit different because I would recommend just because you're saying there's not a lot of inventory and you have buyers who are shopping for six you know three to six months. <clears throat> if you're if you can't find something and you sold some, your property's mm-hmm. going to sell right away, right? Because mm-hmm. seriously. In that particular uh, situation, it was in the market for five days, <clears throat> and then she was under contract, and then she was looking for something. But what she found in the city where she was living was already remodeled. It was a newer property, and then you're going to the suburbs, and you can't find something in the same condition. So, again, it's like culture shock because you you just don't know what to do. Right. So you would definitely advise them to sell their property first and then find something? At, at least get it on the market. So that way you have you got the ball rolling. Yeah, so I that would agree with that. Right. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Put it on the market and kind of do it at the same time. Yeah. And then just flirt, you know, kind of see what's available. I always say start the shopping ASAP because, again, Absolutely. it's you know it's so hard, especially if you're so used to the city and you have you know where your restaurants are, you know where your grocery is, and then you're going to move to a whole new area where you don't know where everything is. So you have to kind of get acquainted with it, shop there, go visit every weekend. Because then you'll get into these issues where you're like, okay, I can't commit. I can't move. I can't move. I can't relocate. You know, I think it's kind of one of those things, though, almost like buyers in the city. They know the buildings they want to live in. They know the areas. They do all the research online. They know. Like, they don't have to spend time. They just know what they're doing. I feel like that transitions over the suburbs, too. Yeah, the thoughts marinate for a little while. Right. You're you're curious about a spot, and then it's... Right, and that's why kind of doing this simultaneously isn't the, you know, all-in-all kill when it comes to getting an offer or putting one in or, you know, waiting a couple extra days. Because they already know. You know, they know they want to live in X suburb because it has X, Y, and Z. They've done all their stuff and... You know, not with the visits of, you know, multiple weekends and going out for dinners. And they know it's as close as they can get to what they liked here or or it's a little better because that's obviously why they're moving for hopefully better reasons. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. let's talk about going back to the strategy of it all. Um, You're saying so put the property on the market, shop Mm -hmm. for your property, and then don't try to avoid home close contingencies. I'm sorry, home sell contingencies. You guys are going to accept home close because Mm -hmm. you know for a fact that you have that buyer. Maybe show them that, you know, you're clear to close at some point and so that you can, you know, just get that property under contract. What Mm -hmm. What do you advise as far as financing? Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things that as soon as we get people that are ready to list from any realtor referral or anything like that. It goes into the point where, you know, full on pre-approval goes, you know, we want to be working simultaneously with their list time um, because that's the biggest thing is that they're going to be out looking the same times that buyers are coming to look at their place. So we want to make sure that, you know, all the ducks are in a row then. And, you know, going through the real pre-approval process, it's almost getting the loan approved without a contract. That's how it should be done, and that's you know that's how the smart people will do it is going through that process first. Um, so when they do accept a contract on their own property, they can go ahead and you know same day put one out for something that they found just because you know the turn times on these markets are going so quickly. I mean everybody knows that that everything goes you know at open house day or a couple of days after. Mm-hmm. You know if it's properties that are staying in the market for months or thirty or forty five days. Usually they either took a contract, found something wrong with, you know, inspection or whatever the case may be. And there's usually reasons why. So 
that's the that's the biggest thing is trying to get these these simultaneous things going and not waiting until one thing happens. And I found I found that pre-approving people in the suburbs is a little bit more of a challenge versus in the city. Typically, in the city, they're within a certain radius of where they're trying to move in the tax bills. Have mm-hmm. a, are a little bit more consistent, you know. So when we tell somebody, "Hey, you're approved up to two hundred fifty thousand. Make sure your your taxes aren't over, you know, six hundred dollars or six thousand dollars a year." They're going to stay within that range. When they're in the suburbs and they cross over, like, for example, one suburb, literally across the line to the other, mm-hmm. those tax bills can really jump. Oh, yeah. So we're kind yeah. of re approving quite often right. versus when they're buying in the city. So that's something that you really got to keep your eye on when you're making that transition to the burbs because they jump. Mm-hmm. And, gentlemen, when it comes to the financing of it all, what are you, say, uh, what are you seeing as far as appraisals? Um, with that not being that much activity, George, um, are you comping out or are you seeing that you kind of have – how do you comp a property out? Because if we're in the city not – not that we don't sell homes, right? We do, but a lot of people are used to you know price per square foot to comp out a condo. Mm-hmm. When it comes to single families, what are you using? Is there enough data to support your numbers? I'm just going to say much harder. <laughs> right, out, right out of the gate, <laughs> suburbs <clears throat> can have ma- – Massive issues, mm-hmm. financing, appraisals. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to understand what I mean, right, yes, Carla? I There's certain you, suburbs like, ah. that are like. You know what? I think you should share that just, story because that is such a complicated deal. Like just the appraisal aspect <laughs> of it. It, it. Seriously, I'm sure that a lot of sellers right now, or even buyers, are finding themselves in appraisal nightmares. Last or last night, I got a call. My property, one of my listings came in $15,000 less than appraised value. And I almost wanted to kill that appraiser because I have four offers at above list price, above list price. And I had comps and I also had the justification of all the upgrades that we made because it's a flip. But seriously, I can't only imagine. And we have three months of data, recent data. Take the cash (laughs) In my last 30 days, I have one house that was sold for $600,000. Came back short fifty thousand dollars on the appraisal, like literally fifty thousand dollars. That's ten percent. Mm-hmm. I had a, I have a refinance that I'm still dealing with that is doesn't have any homes sold in the suburb in like the last two years, hmm. <laughs> except for his. <laughs> he bought his nine months ago or something, and he paid top dollar for it. Yeah. No so, comment. you know, I even had realtors go out there and try and find me comps, and everyone's like, this is all I got. A comp from, a comp from 1999. <laughs> Look, it's, it's very comparable. It a little bit of inflation you know? in there, too. Right. So, so could you explain you what You don't that have means? that happening in the city, though. It's right. like things are moving, and there's always, at least even if you're in a condo and there's nothing sold in the condo, we'll take the comp of the building right next door right. Mm-hmm. that's a two-bedroom, at least something like that. But right. in the suburbs, you have... But that was my argument, Nick. I was like, okay, something sold that justifies this value. We came, the appraisal came in at uh, you know where it needed to be, but then you said there weren't enough comps to support it. Enough right. comps. There's one comp. How many comps do you need? <laughs> more than one. Yeah, more than one. More than but one. why? <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm not, <laughs> not an underwriter, Carla. <laughs> I need to understand why this whole Just concept. the probability of resale. Like an event, at the end of the day, a lender wants to make sure their collateral is secured and that they can sell it in, in event of a foreclosure. And if you have only one simple comp and that's it, uh, and even that one's a little shaky, um, they don't feel that they're really in a good, a true equity position. No one wants to overlend on a property. Mm-hmm. So they think the house isn't worth that much money. They only want to lend whatever your terms are, 80% of the house's value or 70% of the house's value. But, you know, if they bite the appraisal, 
and they go to sell the house one day and they sell it for like half of the loan, they clearly made a very bad underwriting decision. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you advise someone that's in that predicament? Like, if we can't justify the appraisal, what do we do next? What are our options? Cry. Aside from that, because there's always You're a done solution. Crying. If you work with me, you know I will figure it out. <laughs> let's well, I mean, how, figure it let's out. Ask, let's ask George this question. I mean, have you had the problems where, you know, the bidding wars and all that fun stuff and, you know, you guys, uh, the buyer and sellers comes to an agreement and let's say the house worth 300 appraisal comes in 270 Yeah. Okay. I mean, it happens. You know, I mean, gentleman in our office, he his appraisal came 150000 short. Oh, nice. So, I mean, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Can I make my $50,000 go away? Please tell me he appraised the wrong house. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're challenging that. it. They're, like, they're challenging it. At. But they're challenging it. I mean, you know, it's you know, the appraisers, they do have sometimes a difficult job, and sometimes they're not familiar with the area. You know, that's where our job as a realtor, as a list agent, is to provide them with that data. You know, I was on one um, that I sold. I was telling you before the show about the air conditioning going out. That home itself, you know, it sold at list price and it appraised just $1,000 over. So it shows that, one, they paid fair market value. Yeah, they have $1,000 of equity into it, but you are going to have those instances. Um, there was another one I sold and it came out $2,000 short. And, you know, you go back to the table and say, hey, you know what, it's two grand, you know, split the difference. And at the end of the day, I mean, as a, as a realtor too, when you get into those kind of situations, you know, the seller is trying to get something and so is the buyer. The seller is trying to sell because they want to retire and move to Florida. They might want to move into a ranch, downsize, whatever the situation is. The buyer clearly needs a home to move into. So, you know, I think trying to collaborate and work together as a team and say, let's make it a win-win situation, split the difference. I mean, it works the majority of the time. <clears throat> Brian, and I, and I know this answer because I've been there, man, but I want to hear you say it. What does it feel like when you get the appraisal coming in short? How do you, what goes through your head? What's the first phone call you got to make? Or that, what, what's this the phone call you, for Brian. Fe, you fear making? <laughs> Calling the, the realtor. Calling for Brian. <laughs> Those are the days I go home early. Yeah. <laughs> I will find you, Brian. I will find you. Cuddle up next to a drink. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that that is the one of the hardest conversations to have with you know the list realtor too because obviously they think you and, suck, right? You absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, suck. That's the first thing that goes through my you mind. Know, it's it, not that the lender sucks. It's like who the heck is this appraiser? Right. Yeah. Where do they? You know, where well, do they come from? It's usually not even the blame on the appraiser. It's just that you suck for using them as an appraiser, right? So uh-huh. and it, and it you comes. You just don't select them, right? You can't. Pick no, them. no. But most people think we still do. So it is one of those hard conversations to have because we're the ones contacting, not the appraiser. You know, the appraiser's not calling you and saying, "Hey, sorry, ten grand short. This is why." <sighs> it's just cringe. no. They just email. Lender, <laughs> here's the appraiser. You just send it. You get surprised. Right. <laughs> no emotion the worst behind phone it. Call. Right. Yeah. Right, because your buyer thinks that you met, made a mistake because you recommended this list or this offer price, and right. you're like, I'm follow, following the trends, right? right. There's mm-hmm. not a lot. And seriously, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay, who is the appraiser? First of all, is this an FHA deal? Please tell me it's not because you said on contract that it was 5%. Don't tell me that in, during this process because agents will do that. Well, You'll sure. submit an offer for a conventional deal, and then when you're in underwriting, you submit, you change your mind, and now you're doing an FHA loan program. And guess what? Now that appraisal stuck to my listing for what, six months? Six, six months. months. And I can't do anything because even if I, you know, like basically told this guy goodbye, I'm stuck with that value for six months. So my first question to him was, okay, I, we met the appraiser. We brought in our, we, you know, we brought our comps. We showed them all the offers. Right. So we did our job by trying to support this value. Now you're coming back to me and you're telling me we're $15,000. There's no way. I mean, 
there was no way. I knew for a fact that we did have comps, and this is like serious, like this is really a hard thing. But if you're doing these things, you're stuck with this property, so you have to renegotiate, right? You. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, just because you know, in, unless you guys really know and can really prove data on, on getting that price up, because obviously we all apparently not. If we need, well, three we've all gone through it through it as well that some listing agents just do overpriced. That it's gonna, it has gold in it or something. I mean, I don't know what else to do. These appraisals are crazy. <laughs> these are families who like want to buy these Just properties. <laughs> no, but seriously. Just okay, stop. so there's a $15,000 difference. So right. then we have to renegotiate. And in some cases, we're getting closing cost credits to the buyer. Right. So that's out of That's the- usually gone. That's gone. There's right. no option for that, which affects your buyer's avail- uh, ability to purchase. Sure. You know what happens yeah, at the end of all this, right? What? They just say, screw it, I'm not moving to the suburbs. I'm, <laughs> staying, I'm staying in the city. Yeah. I'm done with this crap. <laughs> it was so much more steady in the city. Right? I mean, so you're, no, you can't say that because the markets are steady. We, there is just not enough evidence and where you're making adjustments when you're doing these comps. And so people have to look out for this because it's not, it's not like your realtor got it wrong. It's not like we overpay for something. It's in, we're at the height of the season, right? Because you're talking about relocating to the suburbs. And if the families are doing it because of schools, mm-hmm. then we're, we're in this really small timeline. Right. Kids get out of school, what, end of June? Yeah, and then we have now. three, two months yeah, no. to shop, and then they go back to school. So you need to be, you need to have identified the school, you need to have identified the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and you need to have moved. And then if you're getting into these hiccups with underwriting, so this could push closing what another week or two weeks. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a crazy timeline. So if you are thinking about relocating from the city to the suburbs or what have you, even you know buying this year. Well, we're talking about relocating, but we're, we're under this assumption that they're selling their place in the city and then moving to the suburbs. How often are you seeing where people actually just hold on to their little bachelor pad because they're getting married now and they leave it there and they rent it out? And are they subsidizing or keeping both properties? Or is it more times than none they're actually having to unload the previous residents moving into this one? Uh, I think it's a mix. Um, I, I, I mean, we say maybe 50 50. Uh, I mean, few clients i'm working with right now two of them they're renting it out because obviously you can use a portion of that income right. and use it and carry it over into the mortgage as considered equity but the other ones where they need to sell it and to move some out, absolutely to, have to right? Yeah. right so i think it's hit or miss <laughs> so i feel like life just like real estate is just like life in general it's like it all comes for full circle think about it you're born bald and slightly chubby where is this going right slightly chubby. and then you, you you you're in your prime you got hair you're in great <laughs> yeah, shape and then you end up getting old, and you go back to bald and slightly chubby again, <laughs> and it's all over. You know, so now think about this: you're young, you're young. Thank you. I am. You have a condo, and then all of a sudden you have kids and mm-hmm. want to raise a family, and schools become eminent and important. So you move to the suburbs. You realize then this eventually being recorded, right? those people, eventually those people, those kids, <laughs> grow up, move out, and now you got this big ass house, just you <laughs> and your boo, right. and maybe your new boo or whatever's going on. In your life, and then, you're like, and, and then and then you do what? You go back to that place that you started from. That you go back to a small little condo because you don't want to deal with the maintenance in this big place. The whole nine yards. Absolutely. It's like a full circle thing. It's just like being born bald and dying bald. <laughs> we all wrong with him. Born bald and dying bald is the theme of this show. My goodness, what does this have to do with real estate? This is not. Are it's you the same concept. It all attacks? comes full circle. So why, if you can afford to keep your Condo in the city. Mm-hmm. Let's say you live in the Gold Coast, and you are really on what? What, what do we want to call it? A fifteen to twenty year plan. Yeah. 
by the time these kids grow up, go to college, get out of here, right, right. all that stuff. 18, if you can, If you can 15, keep this place, think about it. If you can keep this nice condo and rent it out and at least be subsidized with rental income, Absolutely. maybe hold on to it. Yeah. Don't dump it because you're like, that's it, I'm out of here. Because you will find yourself, I, my parents are doing it right now, mm-hmm. looking for a place down here. They don't want a big house yeah. anymore. Yeah. They've had 5,000 square feet forever. Mm-hmm. And now they're just, my mom's like, you know, I want a one bedroom. Sam is like, I'll take a studio in a garage. That's all I need. You know, so, you know it, it happens like that. Lydia, you're not moving in right. with me. Right. Well, my, well my, my mom hasn't broken it to my dad yet that they're, that they're moving out separately. And my mom's going to take the studio and my dad's going to sleep in the garage. Okay, I'm sure they just yeah. found out just right. now. Just now. Hi. Mom, dad, love you. So there you have it. Okay, gentlemen. Well, Brian, how do you structure that, right? If somebody's looking to keep their existing home as an investment rather than getting or liquidating that asset and, get it, and selling it, what are you, what are you looking at? as far as that to income ratios, how does that affect the financing for the next home? Right. You know, it, it's really, it's as black and white as a numbers game. You know, if they can afford both or if they've got the equity to meet the standards to use rental, mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. You know, if they're if they're not looking into the, you know, 90s era game of always putting down 20, 25% and they don't need to roll over the equity and they actually see it as a good investment, um, it's just... Mm-hmm qualifying on numbers would it be fair to just say let me just cover the mortgage if i'm i can't sell it i want to build some more equity into it and you know it's a great place and maybe we come back to it and we just want absolutely to keep it. absolutely you kind of work the financial angle angle on there too because if you you know if you're just covering the mortgage you know you're paying that liability off without money out of pocket and you're making all the appreciation so it's just like any other type of investment if you're doing ira 401k nothing changes as long as you don't have to spend extra money, even if you got to spend a little bit, um, it still may work out in the long run. You know, these people get nice little tax, you know, implications when it comes to that. Um, Now get write-offs and everything like that for tax exposure when they have investment properties. Um, So when it comes down to it, it's literally just numbers. Yeah. If they can afford it on paper um, and afford it on income and don't need to roll over the equity, absolutely. I agree. And in some cases, when you're looking to rent your property, it's one month's marketing, right? One month's rent to market the property and rent it. Mm-hmm. One of the services that we do is we, we basically rent the property for them for free if they're going to be buying through us right. just because, you know, we need to f- figure out what we're going to do. Absolutely. And if renting it is something that you don't know how to do, you want to make sure that, you know, this is specifically your first time renting it. And we had a show on renting. So you can go to YouTube and find our previous shows. Um, and of course, marketoverdrive.com. But we have talked about keeping the property as a rental and becoming a, a landlord just because you have to so make sure that you understand the guidelines about renting and becoming a landlord before you get into that thing because you know it could also become complicated and you don't want to move out and then have to worry about that you can always hire a property manager also to maintain it if you're in the sit in the suburbs and you don't want to make the drive to check on light bulbs or what have you so just make sure that you understand the logistics when you're going to enter into that business i highly recommend you keep it if you can if you're moving out of the city if you can hold on to that property do it you'll thank yourself 20 years from now why because because when you decide, like, like a condo that's just barely covering itself, right? Because if you're like, let's, I'm going to go back to my parents right now. It, yes, let's go. They back all to of a sudden want to. They all of a sudden want to move down here, We're right? All quiet. Now I was like, well, Ooh. if they want to move down here to, to, you know, live in the area they want to live in, that one bedroom that they could have bought 20 years ago for like eighty thousand is now six hundred thousand. Right. Yeah. True. Just mm-hmm. saying, and so now they're going to what? You know, what they could. They're going to take out a big mortgage for this place. I mean, what I don't understand. It all depends just held on the situation, though, because what if somebody did hold on to it, and we're talking about oh eight numbers, and they if were paid for it, and we're just seeing equity now. Some people are just temperamental. They want to move out. 
They just want the real focus here, raising kids in school districts and more space and all that, right? Yeah. You just said it in the very beginning of the show. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. You, you need to accomplish that goal. But if you can afford to hold on to something and it's rentable, that's the other problem. Make yeah, sure that your right. unit is rentable. <laughs> um, then I recommend doing it because one day you're going to go out the same way you came in. You'll be bald and lonely. <laughs> bald, chubby, and lonely. Nope, nope, nope. I have See two this kids hairline right here? Take care of me. They already All said. Oh, right here, girl. I can move in with them. No one's taking care of you. Yes, they are. Literally, Mia, six years old. Every time she walks in a room, she points it to, and she's like one of these like crossing. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time when I outgrow her and I leave her. Go back to real estate, not Nick's personal issues. Um, when you're when you're looking to buy something too, though, you have to take keep in consideration your resale, right? Because when you're buying it and and I have somebody in the studio that's congratulations, we'll be buying soon. But when they're buying, they're looking at it from a perspective of the resale aspect of it. If I decide that, you know, I'm going to be in this property for five years and then what am, what am I going to do with it later? How is it going to compete with the open market? So can I, can, I, can I get it rented? And if I rent it, how much is it going to rent for? Is it going to at least cover the mortgage? And or, you know, is, is it going to be easy to manage? If you're in a condo, the association takes care of everything else, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you're... Managing a a single family is a little bit more complicated than a condo when you become a landlord because you have to. Are you seeing those cases? And if so, what do you advise, George? You know, I think, you know, for each one, I mean, you know, we don't know what the market's going to hold. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that little little gypsy does. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think right now with where we're heading, you know, I mean, the economy's strong. You know, interest rates have gone up. So, you know, with that, you know, I think it also pushes buyers, you know, off the fence. If they're on the fence, I don't know if it should or shouldn't. Now it's time to do it. You know, I mean, when my dad bought his first home, his interest rate, he told me it was 10.5%. Yep. So that's ten and a half, and I think we're at four and a quarter. Yeah, correctly. So yep, four and a quarter. I mean, compared to ten and a half, I mean that's a pretty big jump. But point being, for you know, I think you know, holding on to it, and you know, you know, for some people, same thing. You know, back in the day, you know, there's friends and family that I know of that you know they purchased at the peak of the market and the downturn. Like we're going to hold on to it and write it out. And family member of mine, I just did a market analysis for them. They have equity. Where at one point in time they were super underwater on their home. So, yeah, so everybody who even argues, you know, being conservative, I saw my parents go through the recession and lose mm-hmm. equity. Well, guess what? Equity's back there now, yep. right? It's an appreciating yep. asset over time. You just need to, you know, do let time take it you know, take its take course, its course. Mm-hmm. and then get the values to come up and decide what you're going to do with it. But always buy it understanding, you know, what could potentially happen cuz like mm-hmm. you said everybody needs real estate. Yep. Everybody needs a place to live. So whether they're going to use it as a rental, even when the market crashed, where did people <clears throat> move? They lost their properties, went into foreclosure, started negotiating short sales, but then they went into the rental market. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have such a healthy rental market still. Mm-hmm. Um so so, but you always want to make sure that you position yourself well. And when you speak with an expert, you have to outline the big pictures, the pros and cons of that relocation. And really, really consider that move to the burbs. Because one, one day you're going to get old. <laughs> <laughs> one day you're going to get bald. <laughs> and one day you're going to need to move back to the city. I don't like you today. That's so, ugh. I don't want to talk about that. It's going to happen. We we we, you we focus so much. To the Look, to it's, like exci- it's an exciting. <laughs> it's an exciting. But here's the reality: it's an exciting <laughs> time. We've got, I think, half of life event on this piece of paper in the show today, which is the truth. Is yeah, you you're you're today? having. Well, it's the truth. You're, you're you're growing a family. You just got married, and you're growing a family, and oh, you want to yeah, and you want to be in a much larger home for all these reasons. <laughs> but you know, eventually, kids grow up. 
you start dating a stripper or something. I don't know what happens, but you, <laughs> what you're, you're single. Uh, you're going to wish you had that condo. <laughs> oh <my laughs> kidding aside, kidding aside. You got busted life? sleeping with a waitress at the, at the Denny's that you normally go to. <laughs> it was a chili. Just trust me. It was, it was a chili. He's back, guys. He's back. Matty is back no. on Market but Overdrive. Gonna, you, you, should, you should consider the later plan is my point. Really, in all seriousness, you, that's why the question, do they always... Are you trying to get rid of that condo because there's ten grand in equity, so you could put it down on this little house in the suburbs, and that's all you need? Apparently, well, so right. ten grand in equity doesn't. Ten grand today boom. isn't a whole lot of money, but even down the road, even further, it's even less money if you think about it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say that even though this move's important, if you can, you might want to be prepared for the move after this move. That's right. all I'm trying to say. Maybe Big that's the next show. Scenario. You know, maybe that's maybe. the next show. <laughs> wow. Welcome back, Nick. Hey. <laughs> You've had a lot to say. Have you seen Where the people they're been? hiring at Denny's lately? <laughs> <laughs> These girls look good. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's all start investing in, in Denny's that, and buying property near a Denny's. Well, we are wrapping up because it's yes, 50 minutes. It, it has been the fastest 50 minutes of your life. <laughs> wrap it up, Nick. Go your ahead. Turn. You wrap it no, up. No, you close out. I don't like wrapping it up. You wrap it up. <laughs> 10.50, you have 10 minutes. Please go ahead and let everybody know that they can find all their past shows about bidding wars, about rentals. Uh, we have all the information packaged for you in a 45-minute clip. Uh, and you can find it on YouTube.com, on MarketOverdrive.com. Please subscribe and share these information, uh, these videos with your friends, especially if you know someone that's relocating uh, or needs more information. And always, you can reach us at info at MarketOverdrive.com. Let our guests give a final thought. Amongst the conversation today, what's one of the last lasting impressions you want for people watching the show today, Brian? You know, advice. biggest biggest thing is you know do your research, figure out what you want, and then contact the people that are really be able to drive your you know your overall goal to the finish line. Because a lot of it will be knowing. You know, you got to know what you can afford. You got to know what you need to sell for and what you could buy for, um, and overall just what you need. That that's going to be the biggest thing is is knowing that and then talking to everybody that you need to talk to as far as realtor, attorney, uh, mortgage broker, inspector, getting all those things out of the way and then moving forward from there. And Brian, if somebody's undecided and they don't know which route to take and they want to just have you look at their numbers and give them an, a, you know an idea of whether they can make this move, where should they reach you? Uh, they can call or text at seven seven three three eight three. Three nine zero one. It's my direct. Yeah, I finally get your number. Yep. Or email at Brian at iLoanCorp dot com. He's got something brewing over there. I feel it. <laughs> it, took, it took him two years to get Brian's number. Wow, you're slow, George. Whatever, George, George. One last wrapping thought to this whole thing that you want people to leave with. Um, home purchasing right now, home buying, it's the time to do it. Um, rents are at an all-time high, and they're going to keep going up. Uh, I think the National Association of Realtors said um, rents are projected to go up another 7%. Um, and, I mean, yes, home values are increasing, and interest rates are going up. So if there's any time to buy, now it's time to do it. Renting, what a racket. <laughs> Great advice. My, Says the landlord. My last thought? Sorry. Yes. Oh, you have thought. <laughs> no, you're done. No, there's no more Nygma Medi thoughts. You will, grow, you will be born bald. No. Um, <laughs> I'm, everything we said in here makes all the sense in the world why you should consider moving to the suburbs and, you know, or, or consider staying, uh, what the goals are and what you should be looking for. But my tidbit is um, if you are used to the city and you're probably used to working with certain people in the city, whoever helped you buy your first condo in the city, you're going to a whole other region, I would look into 
the right person in that specific area to help you find the house because you're going to have a lot of questions doing this transition, right? Yep. And so I would probably stick, in this case, I would stick with a specializing agent in that region that specializes in those areas that can answer all these questions. Of course. Mm -hmm. Sticking with your realtor from the city, you're going to probably have a lot more questions going in than you thought you would. So Great advice. George and I have this plan. He's going to send me his city business. I'm going to send him my you know, suburban business. I have this plan where I'm going to go back to my business now. It was fun doing an hour with Carla Mina. Not Brian Weichel. Hanging out with George, for sure. Wrap it up here. Our guest today, Brian Weichel of Ilone, and of course, George Simich of John Green Realty in what suburb was that? Naperville. In Naperville. There we have it. Thanks for being on, guys. And Carla Mina s- with Cole oh, Banker. Oh, yeah. Carla Mina with Cole Banker. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nick Wimetti from Ilone. I will be out of here until next Wednesday at 10 a.m. We will see you again. You can follow this or find this show uh, on podcast, uh, WGN Family, as well as, of course, YouTube. Or it will be uploaded for your viewing and judging on our website at marketoverdrive.com. That is it. We'll see you next week. And he's back. Bye. Bye.